Yeah, your favorite margin has got it correct. This is a hassle, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. And today we're talking about only good things. David and I are so happy to be bringing on a friend of the show, Jay Bartlett. You guys might know him from uh, Nintendo Quest and his current Kickstarter action figures adventures. Jay, how are you doing? Uh, hey guys, thanks a lot for having me. It's uh, awesome to be here. Let's talk. Let's talk nerd stuff. That's what we're all about. Yeah. I think we're in the wrong show, guys. I'm going to go. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> so, first and foremost, Jay, how are you? What, what are you up to right now? I'm good. I actually just got back from a local comic store, and I spent way too much money. And, uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying this Sunday, just relaxing from doing that. That's about it, really. Having a beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm all too familiar with going to stores and spending too much money. Uh, so much so that uh, my girlfriend almost has removed my credit cards and debit cards from my wallet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you can't let her do that, but no. you, you got you to gotta learn to control it because it can get out of hand really fast, let me tell you. Yeah. It's that poison, right? Like, if I wasn't in the middle of the move, like a move right now, I'd be all over the place, buying whatever I could, grabbing whatever I could. You know, you know how it is. My, my golden rule is if I don't have the money to spend at the time, it doesn't get spent. I, I won't rack up credit cards or anything like that. Because then you get in a lot of trouble, right? So that's just me. I, I think it's all of us. And we also don't like getting in trouble because we get in trouble. Yeah, we actually have a segment on our show um, about doing bad things. It's usually when uh, Sean or I buy something that the girlfriends uh, initially disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Which is so pretty much every day of my life. Let's start there. What was the last thing you bought, maybe not for one of your collections, that uh, the girlfriend didn't approve of? i got to be honest, absolutely nothing. Because I'm, I'm very lucky to have met somebody that uh, accepts everything about me and I accept everything about her. So uh, I'm absolutely obsessed with Star Wars and um, she's come along for the ride with that and she's a huge gamer and a huge Pokemon fan. So I've had to deal with the Pokemon stuff. And no, man, like, I, you know, I, I don't go crazy. Like, you know, we, we're respectful for each other's money. And like today I bought uh, an 86... Um, Ecto one from the Kenner Ghostbusters that I'm gonna clean up, and I picked that up today, and she just smiled. She's like, "Man, that's so cool," you know. She's very supportive. So, yeah, I mean, I've had girlfriends in the past 100% that have looked at my place and they're like, "Oh man, you know, this will be great when you move this into your man cave." I'm like, "No, I don't think that's gonna happen." Yeah, so it's called a man whole house cave. Yeah, <laughs> it's a man house cave. Yeah. Will will not hide or change myself for for people so yeah i learned that years ago but yeah so sorry i don't have a good answer there for you oh no, no that's a great answer yeah. <laughs> um, it actually leads into the question i've been dying <laughs> to ask you since i've seen the doc is what's the story behind jar jar and do you still have him of course i do of course i do jar jar banks i will defend uh with my dying breath because that's where uh, George Lucas was in his life, raising three young kids, and Jar Jar Banks reflects that, and The Phantom Menace reflects that. Uh, there's a lot of haters for that movie. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But that's where he was. He's not in the place he was when he wrote A New Hope in that trilogy, right? So I respect the man for that. Jar Jar Banks, 
joins uh, my Darth Maul and my Yoda. Well, I used to work at a pizza place called Pizza Hut, and um, you know they're still around, right? <laughs> yeah, but actually, I, I say that because it's funny because the one I worked at is gone. I think there's only one left in this city that actually has yeah. a dining room. So I was like, a, I was a, a server there, right? And at the at the time when Phantom Menace came out, they had a promotion. This is how old I am, right? Where you could go into the restaurant and they would have one of the statues in the Pizza Hut, and you could get a Polaroid picture with it, and uh, two dollars would be the cost, and it would go to whatever charity. So at the end of the promotion, I just I bought the three statues off the company. Are they uh, are they life size? They are. Yeah. So how tall is Jar Jar Binks in real life? Uh, Jar Jar is about seven one, I think six nine seven one around yeah. there. And, and Darth Maul. Maul's Maul's short. He's almost he's just a little bit taller than Luke. He's about five nine. Yeah. I think Ray Park's yeah, around there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, you uh, on their costumes? Mm-hmm. Did, did you um ever end up like having a, a fake battle against Darth Maul secretly? Oh, of course, no secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all all the time. Yeah, it's great. I mean, they're, you know, Yoda's iconic. I, I don't know if you would consider Jar Jar iconic. He's notoriously hated, but I'm oh, pleased with I had with a Jar Jar Binks doll. Like, yeah. it was a, a clock. Yeah. And when you set the alarm, he would say the time and then just start vibrating. It was yeah, man, I mean, weird, but I still have it. it like, Jar- like, not to turn this into a Star Wars thing, but you do have me on here. Uh, you know the character was overused, and he's he's silly. Of course, he was way overused. But it goes deeper than that. You know the the actor Ahmed Best was bullied to the point where he wanted to kill himself. Yeah. Like this is this is ridiculous. This is where, you know, people who say I hate the prequels, I hate Jar Jar. It's like great, move on then. You know, you don't like yeah. it, move on. But you you have no right to bully somebody to that degree. It's it's insane. It's entertainment. It's a movie. You know. And you don't have to apologize at all because at least one out of every two podcasts ends up somewhere down the Star Wars. Oh yeah, and Nintendo Road. So you're right. Yeah, I talk right. about Star Wars pretty much every episode that we record. Oh great, great. I'm I'm home then. <laughs> That's good. So we're off to a good start here. David is the only person I know who's gone to uh, consecutive Star Wars ma- uh, marathons for movie launches. So oh cool. I've never done yeah. that. I've never done uh, that in a theater, man. Yeah. It was great. I did the marathon for when the last Jedi came out, and yeah. uh, my girlfriend and I did the marathon uh, this past year for uh, the Rise of Skywalker, and I can proudly say that I stayed awake for all nine of them. Wow, good for yeah. you. That's really cool. It was great. Really cool. Um, but we're here to talk about Nintendo. Sure. To start off with. I, I would love to talk about Star Wars forever, but uh, the people have the people have questions, and we have questions. So. Sure, yeah. another podcast we do. Yeah. Um, so, first off, uh, a few years ago, you did a documentary called Nintendo Quest. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so, where did that idea come from? Uh, my best friend is a filmmaker named Rob McCallum, and. Uh, very successful. He's done The Power of Grayskull, which is on Netflix right now, which is a documentary on He-Man. And he's done a great doc called Missing Mom. And he's done the documentary on the rock band Kitty. Uh, he gave me a call and he's like, I, you know, he's a huge collector like me. And he's like, I really want to do something on collecting. I'm like, okay. And we kind of brainstormed ideas. The original vision was not specifically Nintendo. It was more he would follow three collectors around. I would be one of them. 
as we did our weekly routes, you know, going to the comic stores, the game stores, and kind of just see what makes us tick, that kind of thing. Um, and it kind of was just, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It's like, what are the stakes? Why do I care? Why do I want to watch these random three people? So he knew that I would be crazy enough to to do something like this. So he's, he's like, okay, well, what's, what's our all-time favorite game system? And we all said NES, hands down, right? So he's like, okay, well, why don't you collect all the NES games? We'll do it over a year or whatever. And then it just kind of formed into the 30-day thing. And I thought about it for a couple days because I knew that if I didn't make it great, you know, that would be kind of the end of my career in this whole thing, right? If I didn't step up. So uh, that's how it started, really. What do you mean it would have been the end of your whole career? Well, if I... The start of the movie, it's about, without giving anything away, it's about myself getting the 700 games, right, that we we deemed in this right. category. And as soon as I saw stadium events and I locked eyes on it, and the statistics and the story behind that, that's really all I cared about. So this is a secret not a lot of people know. But I'm like, if I don't get that somehow or if I don't get the top three games then no one's going to want to watch this right right yeah that makes so sense. I knew right off the bat we we kind of you know we knew a bit about stadium events but we dug into the research and how it was uh, released on the eastern coast of the US only in a department store called Woolworths only uh, about 2000 were shipped out and it was quickly recalled because Nintendo wanted to repackage it into world class track meet with their own power pad and uh, about 200 is the rough figure that's sold. So about 200 of these carts sold in North America. And it was in retail, so that did have to go on the list. So I'm like, do I want to commit to this? And I'm crazy like that. I, I want to obtain the, the, the items that people are afraid to go for. It's just what I right. do, right? So. No, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to think about, too, when you look at the magnitude of some of the games that you like you attempted to co to collect i know like die hard was on your list of your top 25 games and i remember watching my dad play that game and if i knew what it was worth now i probably would not have ended up in a in a wet basement that got destroyed in a flood um which is really sad because i know that was a game you were looking for at the time yeah you know, when you look at like the way like when you're a kid you look at games as like they're the coolest thing in the world and you're just playing them and you don't understand that they're valuable so you pull them out of the system throw them on the floor and put the next game in while you have like a slice of pizza in your hand and you're dumping grape soda all over the floor yeah and now you look at the games and the way they are and people will pay an exorbitant amount of money especially for something like stadium events yeah i mean you don't really know that too right i mean when you're a kid buying all this stuff or you know your i should say your parents are buying it for you you're not buying it your parents are buying it for you You kind of tear open the box you rip open the figure you know you don't think uh, you know 20 years from now this is going to be worth money you just you're a kid and you want to enjoy it right so stuff from the mid 80s and down is especially valuable because of that you know especially 
the, you know, the Kenner Star Wars stuff. There's so few in packages because no one thought a toy would be worth money. No one thought a, a Nintendo game would be worth money. You know what I mean? It was disposable, and especially after the crash in the 80s, uh, the video game crash, nobody wanted old tech, right? It was always about the best graphics, the newest game, and uh, yeah. So a lot, a, lot, a lot of that stuff is rare just because not only is it hard to find, but it's just, you know, like you said, people treated it like garbage, right? It just Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think it was intentional. Like I mean, you were a kid as well. Yeah. When you're playing video games with your friends, it all just kind of happens organically. Um but while you were recording everything or sorry, while you were shooting the doc, what were you doing? like career-wise through the production? Because you do make mention a few times that you had to go back to work. Uh, so we just want to know what it was like to, to juggle both the documentary and the like a work life. The, the day job? Well, without getting too much into what it was, it's like really any day job. I've been with uh, the company for a long time, so I accumulated quite a bit of vacation. But you only have so much vacation, so I only had so many weeks. And, of course, you know, I can't take them all. Let's just say I had four weeks, which would be a month, right, 30 days. I can't take them all in a row. You can't take a month off, right? So we really had to schedule with the crew days that we could make the most of it. So when we go down to Texas, you know, we'd make sure that I had the week and a half off kind of thing. And then... When it was local stuff like Columbus, Ohio and stuff like that, we would just make a day of it, you know, drive five hours there, shoot, drive five hours back. So it's not like, yeah, I just, you know, I, I had 30 days straight. I think we calculated it and it ended up, it was only 18 days that we shot me. So I didn't even use the 30 days because of stuff like that. So, yeah. Now, did I, I know that in my experiences with even just trying to get time off for, you know, studying for exams and stuff like that. Uh, employers can be rather um, difficult to work with. Uh, was yours at the time uh, supportive of your uh, pursuit of doing this documentary and collecting these games and stuff like that? Always. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really necessarily say why, but I mean, it doesn't really concern them why, right? It was right. just that I took vacation, but... No, they've always been supportive. I never had a problem taking the time off. It's just for what you know. It would have been great to you know, you know. At the time, I was I was single, right? So just to pack up with the crew and say, "Okay, goodbye. I'll be back in a month." That would have been nice. But again, you can't do that for thirty straight days, right? Most places won't let you do that. So just to elaborate off that or your time frame, then you used eighteen real time days, but you used a calendar thirty. If you got to use those extra 12 days, would you have been able to complete the collection? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to understand, uh, when you're doing something like this, it, it looks fun, right? It, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's extremely stressful, uh, and it's, it's a lot of hard decisions. And a lot of people laugh, oh, poor, poor Jay, he's got to go buy games, right? But it's extremely stressful. If you're trying to complete something, if you're trying to do something meaningful uh, that will have an impact in the in the gaming world, that stress was always on my mind. Even when I wasn't shooting, I'm still thinking. I, I'm researching games. I'm looking up prices. And I, I think I bought Tiger Heli like five times. 
just because after a while your mind becomes mush, right? <laughs> like we would roll up in a production van to whatever store, wherever city we were in. Uh, you know, Cincinnati alone, there were six stores, right? So you roll up and the crew goes in, and I, I'm not allowed to go in the store. Everything is real. There's nothing. There's no recreations or anything. So I have to wait outside until the crew gets set up, and then I get the okay to come in. And it's like so strange because there can't be any kind of sound. So all the stores that allowed us to film there, we had to turn all the sound off. So there's no copyright infringement for background music. And it's really it's really strange. There's all these cameras, right? And it's dead quiet. So it's really awkward. I've got used to it now, but it's just really, really awkward. But uh, so, yeah. So for uh, finding the the stores that you went to, yeah, did you research them well in advance and then contact them beforehand, saying like, "Hey, we're coming here," or did some of them just show up and you let, and hope that they'll let you film in there? Uh, we had someone on the crew do that, and one of our producers. Um, honestly, we got better results and. With our current docuseries, Action Figure Adventure, we get better results when we just show up. A lot of the times, if you make that phone call, um, they just think it's like a, a little amateur whatever production. I don't think they really take it too seriously. But if you show up with a full-on crew, they're like, okay. And not to mention it's free advertising for them too, you know. Right. So, so um, kind of touching on that, uh, were there any notable those notable difficulties that you ran into uh, during the production, like whether it be with uh, stores that wouldn't let you record or something breaking down or whatever it may be? Uh, I, no, I don't think so. There, there might have been one or two that didn't let us. There, there was a guy in a flea market in Detroit who was really uh, aggressive with us. But, I mean, you're going to get that. Not everybody wants to be on TV, right? Not everybody wants a camera in their face. And I think a lot of a lot of the stores were afraid that we were going to paint them in a bad light, right? There's some negotiations going on. And um, one particular chain, which I won't mention, they were worried that because I go in there and haggle, that this is going to be, you know, shown across the world, which it is now. And they're going to get people coming in. Oh, I saw this on Nintendo Quest, so I can barter too, right? When all reality, he was just giving us a deal. So a lot of a lot of the stores were worried that they were going to look bad that way. Um, there was a few weird people we ran into that didn't make the cut, but nothing nothing really malfunction wise. No weird in what way? Like not good for <laughs> on screen or? Oh, dude, it was just so bizarre. Like it was. Uh, have you guys ever seen a? Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, like the, the the like weird kind of family like that. We ran into one of them, and I'll keep it short. Our, our friend uh, Ben Gold, who's a professional video gamer, and he's one of the the first video game celebrities ever to come come into the world. Um, introduced us to these people that said they had some NES games. So we're like, okay, great, we'll meet you at the house. And we pull up to this farmhouse. We go inside, and they kind of have all, all the games laid out on the kitchen table. So I'm standing there. And they're all, like, kind of circling us, right? In the kitchen the kitchen was pretty big. They're all kind of circling us. And they didn't look happy. They weren't very welcoming. But the one bigger, older guy said, yeah, I got that gold one. That gold one's worth a lot of money. I looked it up. It's worth a couple thousand dollars. 
So I look at it. I, I didn't know if it was, you know, Nintendo World Championship. So it wasn't. It was Zelda. And I'm like, that game... It, yeah, I'm like, Zelda's worth about 30 bucks, Maybe. Oh, no, no. I looked it up online. It's worth 2000 They started to get really angry. And whatever they looked up, they might have they might have seen a factory sealed Zelda on eBay or something like that. Sure, two grand for that. But just your average Zelda cart by itself is nothing. It's common. It's you know what I mean. And they got really angry, and we had to make. I don't want to say we ran out of there, but we, you know, we we're like, okay, thanks, guys. We'll think about it, and we just got the hell out of that place. That was a little scary. So, do you have like behind the scenes footage that you have of this kind of stuff that you, if you ever want? to relive those memories you'll go and watch that i don't have any access to the footage rob has everything um but he he has all that stuff yeah he's kept everything um but it's just it's got to be good right it's got to be entertaining yeah. and i think it's good to tell a story about it like you know on a on a podcast like this or a show but uh to watch it on screen i don't think it would cut very well and and, and we're very we're positive people we don't like to make people look bad you know what i mean so it was a strange encounter, and I don't want to make those people look bad, right? So, yeah, not worth putting yeah. in there. We did notice that quite a bit through your your adventures throughout the dock. You'd meet people, and there was always just like you exuded such positivity to a lot of collectors. Um, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name, but you um, you ended up getting him a copy of Snow Brothers, and that that whole interaction where he wanted to be considered the bad guy was JD, really like, yeah. yeah it was really fun and yeah. like genuine and yeah and, that, and that's funny i mean that that's jokes i think it, it came across like that for the most part but most people think he's a, a real crappy dude jd is now one of my good friends like and we just met him there like that's all real what happened it just made for you know a good part in the dock but uh, he, he's such a good dude, man. He's just, he's, he's like us, right? He's a collector, and he'd been going to Warp Zone in Columbus there for years. That's his game store, right? Like, he's like, you know, J.R. Silent Bob, and that's like his quick stop, right? And uh, Darren, the owner, happened to get in a bunch of NES games the night before we came down to shoot, and JD just beat us there. And the store opened at 10 or whatever. JD got there at 9. Of course, he knows the owner, so he got let in. And the Jetsons was there, and he took it, right? Like any one of us would do. It's no, it's no hard feelings, right? It's just right. like... And then, right, you know, Rob, God bless him, he's, he's he's such a great director, but he's, you know, behind the scenes, he's like, are you just going to let him take that, man? They knew we were filming, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I'm on camera saying, nah, man, he got here first, that's not my style. He can take it. Yeah, I think I think you were quoted to say, like, it wouldn't be right, you wouldn't do that type of thing. And I, I was like, I really respected that. Yeah, it man. Is a, yeah. a first come first serve market, and it's it's such a unique and small community to begin with that you don't yeah. really want to ruffle feathers. Yeah, and and video games by nature are competitive, so I find the gaming community compared to the toy community is a little bit different. They're both great in their own ways, but gamers are so competitive because that's what a game is, right? You're trying to beat something. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna start crap with anybody, right? You know, I'll find another Jetsons hopefully, and if I didn't, hey, we got a great, a great little story for the for the film. No, absolutely. Um, afterwards, so after the cameras were shut off and the dock hit, um, like we know, it's been available in a few different areas. But how did the documentary affect you and your life afterwards? Uh, it's affected me every day. It's changed my life. Uh, 
to this day, I, I mean, just to put it in perspective, I mean, I, I'm just like everybody, right? I'm just a dude. I, I like I like the stuff I grew up with. I still love it, you know, video games, Saturday morning cartoons, that kind of thing. Um, but every day for Nintendo Quest, I still get messages from people saying, hey, man, you know, your film got me through this period. Your film got me that through that period. You know, I've picked up collecting again because of you guys. And when you really think about that, man, that's it's just crazy to me. Like that, something we made has had an impact like that in the game industry. It's just completely humbling. So it's it's changed. I mean, it's opened up all these opportunities now with the action figure stuff, and it just keeps snowballing, right? So, uh, kind of to touch on that, um, do do you think that your documentary um, had an effect on the retro game market. Uh, I can't let my ego speak for that, honestly. Uh, I, I don't know. I know that uh, particular players like James Rolfe, uh, his his work is brilliant. He's a pioneer in the field, and uh, his work certainly has. I know that. Um, ours, I, I, I can't say for certain. I don't know. I think, you know, if you look at, the, you know, the top three, stadium events, Little Samson and Bonks, those games are just, they're worth a ton of money. They always will be, yeah. right? So I think they're just going to go up in value. I mean, this stuff is just going to keep disappearing. So it's going to be less and less. Well, well I can say that uh, after Sean and I watched it, we had a, a, a undes- like a undesired only huge brain fart again this happens like every episode That's uh, cool. we have a we had like a huge desire there we go to go out to different uh retro game stores and just to to look and we actually found some pretty cool little holes in the walls and saw some pretty cool stuff but i think i, I don't sean maybe you can add to this i felt after watching uh nintendo quest it was just like just to go out and look at these stores and see this stuff and maybe we we weren't necessarily buying anything, but just that trip down memory lane, right? Like you grew up playing these games, we grew up playing these games. And I just remember, you know, this was only a few weeks ago and we were looking at uh, in through the, the glass counters and be like, oh my God, like that one, I remember playing that one. Like, do they have uh, this game? Oh, there it is, it's like right there. Like it was just, um, I don't know, it's, it's it brings back a lot of memories. And I think if anything, what I got from your documentary was just the desire to kind of like relive a little bit of that uh, childhood that we had that yeah. you know, games nowadays seems so, like they are all about like visual appeal and stuff like that. But like when you look at the NES games, yeah, there's some great looking ones, but a lot of the, what was amazing about them was the, the memories that you made playing them with your siblings, with your friends in your ba- in their basements. Right. Like, um, yeah. So maybe, yeah. maybe if you don't feel like it had a, an impact on the the uh, sale market. I, I think um, if anyone else has felt like us when watching it, um, at least maybe it got some people to go out there and pick up something that they once used to play or you know was just on their list that they have always wanted but never never could get because mom and dad wouldn't buy it for them. You know when they're walking through Zellers or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's funny now we're all adults and we have expendable income, and uh, a lot of us go back, you know, and get that piece that we we were denied for whatever reason as a kid, probably because it was just too expensive for our parents. Right now we can go buy it, and a lot of it is that. A lot of it is nostalgia, like with the toys, and I mean that's all it is. It brings you back. 
to a place. I mean, I can pick up uh, Breaker from G.I. Joe, and he was my first, and remember exactly where I was when I got it, the feeling I had, uh, the same. You know, the first game I ever played was uh, Pong uh, at my aunt's house, and I remember that, that feeling I got. And so yeah, a lot of that nostalgia is addictive, but I do think that uh, Nintendo, the Nintendo Entertainment System is unlike anything. Uh, it changed the game the game market it, it changed everything we wouldn't be here without yeah. nintendo there wouldn't be fortnite there wouldn't be world of warcraft there wouldn't be anything without nintendo the, the market was dead so when we tried to we tried to pick a system and we were really strongly leaning towards the 2600 but it's just not the same and then you know people are asking us to do super nintendo and we're not we're never going to say we're not going to do it but does it have the same library? No, it doesn't have the same excitement factor. That's just a yeah. fact, right? So, And there's just something about Nintendo that, regardless of what console you had at your house or your friend had in their basement or whatever, everyone's mom called it Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, my buddy, uh, my buddy Scott in the film, he says that. Um, he's like, Nintendo was a, a word used to describe video games in the 80s. It was. It's like, do you want to go play Nintendo? And that's what we used to say, man. Even if my buddy and had, then they had a Sega Genesis. <laughs> yeah, my my one poor, poor buddy, he had a Master System, uh, which is a great system, right? But I mean, nobody had a Master System. Everyone had an NES, right? And we still used to call that Nintendo. Yeah, let's go play Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Why does your controller look so weird? Why is it well, smaller? The Master and what... controller looked very similar to the uh, NES controller too. It, it was, it was, yeah, it was, the D-pad was a little bizarre, and the pause button was on the system, which was a pain in the butt, but it was yeah. a good system, man, it was just, you know, you can't compete against Shigeru Miyamoto, he's a, like, he's he's brilliant, he's a genius, you know, he's yeah. the greatest game designer of all time, and that's my opinion, uh, but his games are just, they're timeless. Yeah, well, I'd have to it agree. It stands to reason, like, Nintendo even now, most of their games still hold insane value. Um, if you look around, yep. even like like myself and David, are, or I'm a little bit more into collecting the 64 stuff. Oh, nice. Box is not necessary, but I, I just want to make sure they have good-looking stickers. Yeah. And you see the fluctuation of the cost of games. And anything made by, like, first-party Nintendo developers is still $80, $90. So you got to really keep an eye out when you're looking at bins and everything to make sure you're finding kind of what you're looking for. Yeah, look at anything made by Nintendo, like even current days. Like... When does Breath of the Wild go on sale? I think this year was the first time it went on for a couple bucks off, but no Nintendo titles ever go on sale. And that's another reason why you get one iteration of that franchise per generation. Like, you're, you're going to get one Smash Brothers on Switch and that's it. Because they don't need to make another one because it's so good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think... Yeah, the Nintendo tax. You know, that's what keeps everything, <laughs> the value of all the Nintendo stuff. And I, and I have noticed that, uh, you know, more and more games are being delayed. Um, and when they are delayed, you know, the gaming community usually it gets up in arms about it. But then when Nintendo delays a game, everyone's like, okay, they're just going to make the game better. Right, so, yeah. Unless you're talking about Metroid, and then there's just anarchy and everybody's really upset still yeah <laughs> poor samus she'll, she'll get her time hopefully i think i'm the only guy on earth that can't stand metroid prime so i haven't really played a good metroid in quite a while but hey i mean 
Thing. Time is a very clunky game to play, so you're you're not alone. Like yeah, it had it had some good parts, but it was a hard game to just physically play. Um, just going back to the collection that you amassed over your thirty day adventure, do you still have the game collection? I, I do not. No, no. I, I parted ways with it a few years back, and uh, it was one of those things. Uh, at the time, <clears throat> at the time the condo I was in. Uh, there was two game rooms. Uh, the one game room was more like a museum, and that's where you can see it. The end shot, when I'm looking at stadium events in the glass case, that's the museum part. And uh, I walked by that room multiple times every day, and I looked in it. You know, I always checked, you know, make sure stadium events is still there. I didn't dream it. Oh, it's there. And... Uh, I just wanted to do something with it. it. It was sitting there, and it's not that I didn't love games anymore, that I didn't want to collect anymore. I just took the collection and did what I thought was right at the time, and you know, it was with my girlfriend, and we got some property, and yeah, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> as long as you don't regret doing it, and, and that's the big thing, right? Like, it sounds like you were, it was a complete decision based off of you trying to um, kind of better your future and your life. And if those games can give someone else the happiness that they gave you when you had them, yeah, right? like that—that's a commendable, right? Exactly, and and also I, I used my own money to to buy them. You know, there was no none of the production money was, you know, none of it went towards my buying the games. That was all me. So you know, to recoup a little bit of that. In the, at the end of the day, did I want to give up the top 20? I didn't, but I didn't. It was like one big, it was like my child, like all 700 games together. It was like one unit. I couldn't piece it apart and break it apart, right? I collected this all over North America. So I just, I had to sell it in one unit and that's what I did. Yeah, no, we, we totally understand and we, we appreciate um, that when it comes to stadium events, as an example, um, you had a very emotional part in the doc where you were finally acquiring that game, and you you were going back to an old friend in Todd Curtis, and yeah. he he was he was very like happy to give it to you because he knew he was doing right by you and for your collection. Um, did you contact Todd before you sold that cart, or did you did you just kind of like let him know that you no longer had? And are you still in contact with Todd or anything like that? Oh, he's, he's still a good friend, yeah. Um, we didn't talk much about that. I didn't I didn't think it involved him. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's all i got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, quickly, before I ask you another Doc question, yeah. um, how cool was his little gaming room? Uh, it just looked like the greatest thing in the world. Uh, Todd, like a, little, like a little gaming room, though. Okay, his big gaming room. <laughs> yeah, Todd, Todd's collection is unique and unlike any other collection we saw. And Todd's family is fantastic for allowing us to come in there. And when you walk in there, it's just, you're like, wow, you're overwhelmed. Not only does he have complete collections of everything you could ever want, but he has, like, store displays, which those are notoriously difficult to get. Like, he had a... He had a World of Warcraft server, like one of the original servers. He had a retired wow. server, like framed, the ones that his buddies played on. He had a, 
Raiders of the Lost Ark 2600 display. He had an Atari Jaguar display. Like, just gorgeous collection, man. Just, yeah, top-notch. That's crazy. Uh, the the one thing I noticed, it caught my eye almost immediately because it reminded me of, like, going to Zeller's and running away from your parents while they were talking to somebody. But they yeah. had the Pokemon Snap Machine. Was that still functional? Like, did he have it operating, or was it just sitting in the room? I don't remember, to be honest. I, I, I do uh, not remember. Okay. I just uh, wanted to know if it worked. That was, that still has to be one of my favorite games, hands down. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, I, I would agree that that game is fantastic. To give to give Todd the benefit of the doubt, I'll just say I guarantee it worked because everything in his collection worked and was pristine. So I would say it worked. Yeah. All right. All right. So, going back to everything you collected, was there a game that you watched or you played as a kid that was part of your collection, but you were never able to beat when you were a child? And what was it? Zelda 2. Zelda 2. Were you able to beat it after you collected it? Yep, I beat it three times. Uh, when we were done shooting, uh, I, I specifically sat down with that game because it used to scare me as a kid because the difficulty is insane. And I didn't understand the leveling up system. I didn't understand how, how you built Link, right? Um, so I sat down with it and I played it. And to this day, it's my favorite, not only NES game, it's my favorite Zelda game. Zelda 2, eh? Oh, 100%. Majora's is close, but Zelda 2. I, I don't think I've ever heard somebody put Majora's Mask as, like, number two in any spot. Usually it's, like, Ocarina of Time or... Uh, I guess Breath of the Wild has jumped up there for a lot of people or Link to the Past. But hearing, uh, what did you say, Zelda 2 and then... Majora's, yeah. Majora's Mask, that's, a, that's an interesting one-two punch. I've, I've actually never played more than like 25 30 minutes of majora's mask oh wow yeah man that's uh majora's mask is not only uh, a steep learning curve you have to have a lot of brain power when you play and what i say is like you have to sit down and be prepared to think and concentrate so believe me there's a lot of times when i turn it on i'm like no i can't do this today because everything runs in a three-day cycle the, the clock is always ticking you have to think yeah. about what you're doing you have to think two moves ahead of time. But yeah. the way that game makes me feel is unlike any experience I've ever had. It is so eerie and creepy and dark. It's just fantastic. It's fantastic storytelling. Yeah. Um, so to kind of touch back on the, the Nintendo Quest, um, there was a big question that we had when we were watching. And if you look online, you can find a lot of people have been asking this. Um, what was the reason for you to not show your budget um, that you had for uh, purchasing the game collection? Sure. Uh, initially, mainly the only reason was because it would date the film. We wanted to make a documentary, a documentary that would be timeless. So you could watch it in 2020 or you could watch it in 2015 or 2030 and if you saw the price for little samson being at four hundred dollars right and five years from now the game's worth two thousand dollars it really wouldn't make a lot of sense right Th that that's really the only reason we got a lot of flack for that so an action figure adventure we're changing that so that is one main criticism we got and i get it uh so we are changing that but that that's the reason now like there's a lot of shows out there um, at the time that were um, 
like Pawn Stars and the one where they buy stuff from um, storage units and stuff like that. And do you think the the fact that or the since that those shows would always put a dollar value to items that are being purchased or sold, do you think that kind of had an impact on how people perceived uh, your documentary and the uh, the fact that you didn't actually show the the prices that you paid for or how much you spent? Yeah, it, it very well could have. I, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people wanted to know what I paid for stadium events, uh, Little Samson and Bongs. Um, yeah, we, we did what we is thought was right. Information still? What's that? Sorry? Is that secret information still? Yeah, I don't talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's... X it's amount. It's it's my personal money. Uh, there there is a there is one of our fans online that calculated everything based on nothing but the green bar moving up and down, and he was dead on. And he he messaged Rob and he said, you know, is this the budget? And Rob's like, yep. <laughs> like you can do the math if you, I guess if you want to do that and have the time. But uh, th- those three games were astronomically expensive. You know, even though I got great deals on them from Todd, they're they cost me a lot. No, we get that. Games are expensive, even now. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's it's you know it's not something that that we did to annoy people, uh, and you know we we've came out and said that it was just we didn't want to date the film, plain and simple. And that that makes sense because yeah. um, the the games that you're purchasing that were more valuable are just going to get their their value just going to increase. So uh, the way that you you've put it. Um, it makes perfect sense now to to me, um, because that was one thing that we thought of when we were watching. It's like, well, how much is he actually spending on this stuff? But when you put it your way, it doesn't really matter because the expensive games are still going to be expensive. The common games are still going to be cheaper, right? So yeah, yeah. And you you had a you you developed a sense throughout the film, like just the cost of some things. Like you see some in your travels, but when you're having that phone conversation. About Samson originally, like you, we hear $4,050. And like that was a number that you were comfortable with, but you were also like worried about at the same time. Yeah, and then yeah. later on, you're buying like a, a Donkey Kong cart and you're like, well, I didn't really want to spend 20 bucks on this game, but I had no choice. So you, you, kind, you kind of develop the sense. We, it, it's just more, I think, of a, a, a large scale fandom curiosity, but that makes perfect sense as to why. The green bar was sufficient. We just. We wanted to know a little bit more, of course. Oh yeah, man, and, and don't get me wrong; it's it's not an offensive question at all. So so don't think that. It's just, yeah. I mean, I didn't want to spend twenty five bucks on Donkey Kong simply because I was running out of money, and I started to feel really sick, you know, like in my stomach, like with stress. Like uh, this is a common game, and and now we only have X amount of stops left, and now I'm forced to spend $25 where I saw Donkey Kong, you know, probably three days prior for $5. So it's, it's every little choice does matter. So as, as the film goes on, you can see the stress wearing me down pretty good. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, it's intense to watch, but it's also for somebody who likes to watch collecting and how it's done. I, I think your process was still very, very informative, entertaining, but it was also, it was very real so like you could feel it was a genuine experience it didn't look scripted it didn't look like um david mentioned storage wars as an example yeah, yeah. 
Um, there was an episode a long time ago. I don't know if either of you two recall this, but there was a, a gentleman named Mark who bought a unit, and it had a, an original NES in box, and he thought he was going to get 10k for it. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was like that's when I started figuring out Storage Wars was rigged. Um, he wow. didn't get that, obviously. But yeah, it was like one of those things where as soon as you hear value about something anywhere on TV, you just assume that if you have the same thing, it's now that value, and that's what you're sticking to. So very smart. Yeah. Uh, I think we had one more or two more questions about this, and then we'll get into your new project, of course. Um, was there any places off camera that you bought a game that was like really creepy or crazy? Like you mentioned that farmhouse, but was there anything that you actually made a purchase and you were just like, man, I feel uncomfortable? There was a flea market in Detroit, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and there's a quick shot in the film, I believe, of me. Uh, I can't remember the game. is one of the baseball games. And I shake it and it's like loose. And uh, that 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 place was really you just got a bad vibe being there. I just didn't like it. Um, yeah, and the farmhouse that wasn't shown. Uh, that was really it. A lot of people were, you know, most people we came across were really nice and, and inviting. So it was a really great experience. the 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 amount of bad things that happened were so small that I can't really recall outside of those two two incidents. That that that's fair. I actually had one more question. I know I said that was the last question oh, about the Nintendo Quest. Um, I, I'm a personal believer that my valuables should not be protected by a garage door. That the the garage that you went into that had that really awesome collection. Did you? Uh, did the guy ever mention that he'd be worried about somebody breaking into his garage <laughs> to to like clean out his games, or that he accidentally left his garage door open? Like that to me is just. True. I, mean, I know we live yeah. in Canada, so it's a little bit safer, but um, I don't recall. But I do think it's funny that he contacted us because people started to pick up on social media where we were heading. So we were getting messages all the time about, "Hey, come see this collection." "Hey, come see my store." And we went and saw. I believe his name was Drew, and it was hilarious. He says, "I have all these games for sale, and that's where I got a uh, color dinosaur." And. Uh, the, the way Rob cuts it is very comedic, but it was very true. He's like, I have all these games for sale. Excuse me. And I'm like, okay, how much is this? Oh, it's not for sale. Well, how much is this one? Well, it's not for sale. It's just kind of funny, man. So Drew, Drew's a good dude, but we ran into a lot of that too. A lot of people wanted to be on camera. They wanted to be in it. So they kind of say, hey, come here. And, you know, I have this and that. And then when we got there, it wasn't the case. Yeah, they, they, just, they just kind of wanted the... The 15 minutes of fame and yeah. didn't want to actually give up any other stuff. Yeah. Um, so after after Nintendo Quest, because that was a, a few years ago, yeah. And you're you're working on your next um, docu series, and and this is not a actual film. It's more of a what was it a, a 10 episode series that you're doing uh, for action figure adventures? Yeah, it? it's a it's a 10 episode docu series, and. Um, it's very much in the same style of Nintendo Quest, so it's a road trip movie. Uh, but it, this time, instead of me collecting uh, the you know X property for myself, it's going to go to a local charity that uh, I hold dear to my heart, which is the Children's Health Foundation, and I've worked with them for a few years. So we're going to auction off 
the the ten or whatever Rob comes down to. I think it's about ten main pieces, and the proceeds will go to Children's Health Foundation. So, um, where did the idea for this uh, specific uh, series come from? Well, we were having a meeting, and uh, it was time to do the next thing, and there was something in between that. There was the Nintendo Quest Power Tour, uh, which is still available, where we actually tour the film across North America. We start in Beverly Hills, and we work our way up. And that's got some crazy stuff in it, too, because Rob and I are kind of having a friendly competition of our top ten games. After that, uh, you know, we get messages all the time. Do do Genesis. Do Super Nintendo. Those are the two main ones. And we, we sat down, like I said earlier, and we, we thought about it. It's just we can't really... Unless this was, like, a docu-series in itself, I can't see a feature coming out about Genesis or Super Nintendo. I'm not saying it won't. Because I'm not the filmmaker, but we were kind of deciding, okay, you know, do we want to do toys, which is, you know, something else we are completely in love with, or do we want to do another game one? And we decided both unanimously to do the action figures. Okay, so um, when you decide to do action figures, though, because you you collect toys as well, right? So yeah, um, with with Nintendo games, there's a I would say that the price is almost uh, regulated by the market, right? Um, but then with action figures, things are a little different there. So how are you planning on going about valuing um, action figures that you're coming across? And are you looking for specific ones? Well, again, it's... This, it's, it's might it's, be a hard question to answer. I'm not sure, but... No, uh... I don't know how to say it other than just say it. I mean, I, it's what I live for, right? So I, I'm constantly doing research uh, on it. So I, I know I know toys very well, just like I know games. And uh, I'm not perfect, but I got a pretty good idea of what, what things cost. And, and we kept it in the vein of the things we grew up with. So a lot of this stuff is focused on uh, 80s, right? Because that's what we grew up with. So 80s toys. And it's just whatever we envisioned people wanting to bid on so you know what's a you know a leonardo original leonardo a turtle from 87 would right. somebody bid on that maybe but we're gonna get like ten dollars for it right so mm -hmm. i really thought i got into that kind of nintendo quest mentality where it's like i think big and as you'll see when it when it comes out it's it's like that <laughs> i go a little crazy but <laughs> Can you, can you tease an item, or are they all under wraps until the auction? Yeah, it's... I have a... a yeah, clause in my contract. I can't talk about any of that stuff, yeah. That's all right. But uh, so if, you, if you guys, you know, if if you know your toys, even if you don't know your toys, you're, you're going to love it, because it's just... It's as exciting, and uh, it's just a lot of cool stuff happens. This, this is definitely fair. I know uh, back in the day, it was really three things for me. Ghostbusters, wrestlers, and Star Wars toys. And I think yep. the, the rest of my Ghostbusters collection is sitting in my parents' basement just in a Rubbermaid container. Um, all beaten up with the Ghostbusters house and stuff. But like we've seen your Star Wars collection. Is there? Did you guys focus on anything... Um, 
er, like sorry i should i should say you said 80s and 90s so was your focus primarily like the gi joes the star wars the 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 80s space lego like were you looking for some of that uncommon common stuff that everybody seems to love but nobody could seem to find or were you looking for like really cool pieces yeah it was stuff that you didn't ordinarily see stuff that you can't normally get your hands on and i can't give too much about the story but it unfolds the same way it starts it starts one way and turns into something else which is great uh no lego uh but the main franchises i would say for this first season you can expect to see star wars gi joe transformers masters of the universe turtles mask and uh, all the lesser-known stuff, too. Centurions, Silverhawks, Bravestar, stuff like that. All the stuff that we grew up with, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's actually great that you mentioned all this because um, it segues into my next question so beautifully. Do you find that toy collecting shows, that like the bigger ones like Toy Hunters and Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, have increased the prices and the competition for getting some of these toys for yourself and for your collections? So I, I, I see exactly zero competition. So this is where the difference between the video game uh, community and the toy community, this is the, the big difference to me. There's no competition. Um, so if you yourself, you're a Transformers guy, and let's just say I'm a G.I. Joe guy, and we go out to a store together, we have that mutual respect and we try and help each other get pieces for our collection, right? It's not a competition at all because there's nothing to, do you know what I mean? Like you're not trying to beat anything. You're just trying to acquire what you love and, and, and there's personal reasons why you love that. So it's very different. It's very different. Okay, so kind of on that vein, um, everyone has their, some toy or something from their childhood that they hold dear and they will absolutely never in a hundred million years get rid of um do you have that item in your collection and was it something that you had to find or was it just something that you grew up with and what is it if you don't mind sharing um that would be my luke skywalker figure from when i was a kid uh from 77 uh, the New Hope figure. My mom, you know, is the best. She created this monster that I am. And uh, I still have him, and he's missing his lightsaber. I won't replace it. I don't want him repainted. And he has nail polish on the bottom of his feet, so when I took him to school, we would know which one was mine. And I love him exactly like that. There's a lot of collectors that want stuff minted package. And I think that's good. But for me personally, and even for Rob, to see... We ran into a piece that had, it was a Masters of the Universe piece on the back. It had some writing, just some personal writing about Christmas or whatever it was. And to see something like that, I would rather have that than something perfect because it, it tells a story. It tells a story. Yeah. So the Luke Skywalker and uh, my favorite figure is a character named Warduke from uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons line that was made by LJN in the 80s it's a pretty obscure line not a lot of people know about it but you guys know ljn is a terrible game company right mm -hmm, of course yeah. but they made incredible toys including thundercats so yeah i can i can say that um thinking back at some of the toys that i had that 
you know, once you grow up and you kind of move out and you have to make space, I kind of regret getting rid of a few. I had these, and they were Star Wars Episode One. They were you probably would remember these. They were the piggy banks, and there was Darth Maul, Obi Wan Kenobi, and Qui Gon Jinn. When you put the uh, a coin in, it would move and say lines from the movie. But then <laughs> if you attach two of them, so if you attach Obi Wan and Qui Gon, they would do lines from the movies of the them two talking. And then if you attached one of them to Darth Maul, they'd fight. And if you had all three of them, they had like this whole, this whole drawn out battle scene and it was the most amazing thing ever that's cool. i got them from walmart on clearance for twenty dollars and i i don't know where they went and uh yeah <laughs> that means they're gone yeah i know yeah there's this this really awkward period i remember uh 1992 for me i was uh 16 and my my buddy darren and i is one of my best friends um we played with toys way longer than we should have and i'm not embarrassed to admit that uh, but then we kind of started to discover girls, right? So you're in high school, and uh, the Toy Biz Marvel figures started to come out, the X-Men figures, and, you know, the very first version of Deadpool, Strife, Cable, all that kind of stuff. And we bought those. We're like, oh, my God, we always wanted a Cable figure, and they finally made it. So we opened up all these figures. We're in this basement, and I remember the exact moment of feeling bizarre, like we shouldn't be doing this. And we're like, yeah, maybe we should call up the girls and hang out with them. So we did that. So we stopped playing with them at that exact moment. But I remember that I never wanted to stop collecting them. And there was a really awkward time through my early 20s where I would still go to Toys R Us. I would still tech, or check the uh, toy aisle at Walmart. And I would still buy stuff. Almost kind of embarrassed because I, I'm an adult now. I'm not supposed to do this. Um but yeah, I mean, I would, I would say embrace that. You know, if, if there's something that you wanted from your childhood, go out and find it. And if you, if you can't uh, travel to get it, you know, just go on eBay. Because yeah. that stuff, can, um, it, it holds more meaning than you know. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I can uh, proudly say that my girlfriend and I regularly go to Toys R Us. Right. And browse through all of the toy sections. Uh, we're drawn to the Lego stuff. And yeah. That's it's great. one of those things that, you know, like like you said, for a while there, you know, you feel kind of awkward, you know, like you're too old for that. But, yep, yep. But really, the, as I've told some of my other friends, the only ones that are feeling awkward about that is yourself, right? And other people don't care if you're browsing through Toys R Us. And that's that's what I tell myself when I'm going to buy toys for myself. <laughs> you know, uh, my, yeah. My, my I... girlfriend and I sat through... And I remember doing this. This was kind of embarrassing, but uh, the Lego minifigures, the Disney ones, we sat there at Toys R Us for like a good 45 minutes feeling all the packages, trying to find the ones that she wants. <laughs> and at first I was like, this is like weird. Like, why are we doing this? But then uh, two other people around the same age as us, if not slightly older, came and did the same thing. And it was the guy and his girlfriend and they were looking for it. I'm like, you know what? Like, yeah, no, this is totally acceptable. Yeah, man, it's it's just a fun hobby, and it's uh, there's a lot of nostalgia attached to it, of course, but it's just such a pure, it's just pure enjoyment, it's pure happiness, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I think the people that find problems with that, you know, that's that's their problem, you know, like that's you just got to make yourself happy as long as you're not hurting anybody. It's no different than the sports fanatic that wears 
a Michael Jordan basketball jersey, right? It's like you're not Michael Jordan, but you're wearing his shirt, you know? Yeah. Like, it's no difference. I think any any kind of fandom, if you have passion, just go for it, man. Just go for it. Yeah, we often compare, like, movies on this this podcast as a way to escape for one and a half to three hours. Depending on some movies, it's like three and a half. Um, when you're playing a video game, you have the ability to narrate your own story for 14 to 30 hours. Right. When you're right. a kid, a toy keeps you company for months at a time. It's not just minutes or hours. Um, I remember growing up, there's two toys I loved more than anything in the world. One I was never allowed to touch because my dad actually bought it for my mom on one of their first dates. It was a, a plush ET and it just sat on my shelf. Still has its tags on it. Wow. It still smells good. It's it's like probably one of the coolest things I own. And my dad bought me, because we really liked that Crash Test Dummies cartoon. Yep. I had the exploding car with the two dummies in it. Cool. And over time, I started losing parts. So I've been like slowly collecting parts of this car <laughs> to try and like get it back into my life so I can put it on a shelf and be like, oh my God, this is like my favorite toy from when I was a kid. So far, all I need left is the, the roof. Uh, one front wheel, I guess it's a wheel in general, and a door. And then I have the whole car rebuilt. Been an expensive little rebuild for uh, an an out-of-control kid, but, man, those things just, like, they remind me of everything. Yeah. my childhood, right? Yeah, and it's it's great, man. And, uh, you know, I just, I remember I just never wanted to leave that place, you know? It's like these amazing writers like, uh, you know, Larry Hama creating G.I. Joe and just... How he brought the action figures to life by creating the file cards on the back and writing a little bio, you know, for a guy who was just a grunt. All of a sudden, he, all of a sudden, he had this backstory, and it just it brought them to life. You know, the Transformers on the back they had the file cards that brought them to life. And back then, there was no internet, right? So we would, you know, get up on Saturday morning or after school, we would put on Transformers and GI Joe. And if you weren't there at four and four thirty, if you missed it, you missed it. You know, there's no chance to watch it again until the next day, or you got to see it, and then you would continue your adventures with the toys. And that's that's one reason I think the toy industry is so different now, is because you have access to everything, so you don't really need like kids don't need to to create their own stories, kind of thing, right? Yeah, kind of uh, touching on um, if you aren't there to see something a show right when it when it broadcasts yeah. you'll miss it so uh, uh your your new docuseries is going to be available to stream on amazon prime video correct uh the the, the docuseries will be so far we just have a deal in canada we are working on deals with the rest of the planet but for now it's just in canada it'll be, it'll be on the super station uh sorry super channel and okay. uh the Super Channel and uh, Jinx Esports TV, so we'll be on that for now. But we're working on deals, you know. Hopefully, we can announce stuff soon. But we're looking at worldwide distribution again. But yeah, the goal will so, be everywhere, of course. Yeah. So, so it's going to be broadcast uh, like for streaming or on on like live TV. Yeah, actually, actual live TV. Yeah, I can actually say I have a television show. <laughs> it's exciting. So, kind of, what's what was the process um, for just getting that on that that station? Um, I know a lot of people have these dreams of making TV sh- 
TV shows, TV series, movies, yeah. and stuff like that, and having them out there. But you know, like you said, you can say that you have a TV show. Yeah. Um, but aside from just you know getting the funds to make the 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 movie or the the series, right? Now you have to deal with um, a corporation to get something for them. Um, have they put in like they, do they have like requirements for like standards like or has it been pretty open for your uh, creative control over this? Uh, well, a lot of that, Rob, would be best to answer. Uh, but from what I understand, I mean, you have to follow the guidelines of TV, right? So whatever, 22-minute yeah. episodes or whatever it is, you know, on TV, right? Yeah. Um, they want X number of episodes. But uh, we, we just we cut a trailer for them, and, and they liked what they saw, and, and that was it. And, yeah, I mean, we, we put our heart and soul into it. So hopefully everyone else feels the same way. And, we're, uh, we're definitely excited to see it. That's yeah. for sure. Are you, um, you're, are you still in production or has everything kind of wrapped up and you're in, in post now? Uh, no, we're still, we're still shooting. Um, it's coming out in November, but we still have a bunch of names of, It'll be like Nintendo Quest with a lot of cutaways to industry personalities and collectors. Uh, one of the big names is Larry Hama, who we're most likely, hopefully, interviewing at uh, Joe Fest in Georgia this summer. So we want to get him. There's a bunch of other other guys, too, we want to get as well. So most of my stuff is done. Most of it. Yeah, we, we saw you guys had a cutaway in the trailer with Kevin Smith as well. And we were like, yeah. wow, it's our leader. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he's an incredible personality and like when you watch some of his shows on uh, AMC uh, what is it comic book collectors their their podcast afterwards yeah. it's, it's pretty cool to see kind of like how the worlds are combining and seeing like, like what we fell in love with with your short documentary and how like it's affected the, the gaming community and now like those those fans are going to watch this I hope it really helps expand your fan base and it helps grow it a little bit more uh, yeah we do too i mean rob and i grew up watching the jersey trilogy right clerk small rats and chasing amy that was honest to god that was our bible we watched those movies before we you know went out to the bar for the night and uh loved you know jason muse and jason lee and that just everything that smith did was just so brilliant to us and it was so cutting edge and offensive and brilliant and so to have him in our series now and you know that's words can't describe it it's just amazing do you, do you have any like i know you've kind of touched on it a little bit more and or a little bit throughout um if there was one project that you could work on in the future what would it be it would be star wars related yeah. We had a side bet before the show and we were hoping you would say that. Yeah. Uh, if anything with Mark Hamill. I got to meet Mark briefly and he's the most genuine guy that, I, that I've that i ever had a pleasure of talking to. Uh, so anything with him would be great. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of music too, so music... I don't know, maybe that will be the next one. I don't know. But, I, I mean, we're hoping to keep going with, you know, season two, season three with the action figure stuff because, like I said, it's just different and it's it's nothing against games or that we don't want to do games. It's just something different. You know, we want to expand 
And we don't just want to be known as the Nintendo guys, right? We want to be known as, you know, other stuff too. No, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the, the, I guess the final question we have for you today before we uh, let you get back onto you, to your collecting ways would be, is there anything that you are looking forward to playing this year while you're out collecting? And when you have uh, a few minutes to, to kick back and play a game, is there anything you're looking forward to? Oh, I'm obsessed with Fortnite. You guys can laugh at me all you want. That's cool. My buddy and I do uh, duos all the time. I love Fortnite. Um, it's a game that's constantly evolving, uh, and I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything in the game industry take off like that, man. It's such a brilliant business model how it's like crack. Here, you can have this first sample for free, which is the game, but all the good stuff costs us money. Uh, Last of Us 2 looks great. Uh, Animal Crossing, I'm a big Animal Crossing fan. I think that's going to be... win. <laughs> that was a bet we had as well. What, Animal Crossing? Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I must confess I haven't played since the GameCube, but uh, this this one, especially that it's on, on the uh, the fly too, looks great. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to exchange uh, Nintendo Switch friend codes so that we can visit each other's right. islands. <laughs> Anytime, just don't hack down my trees and take my fruit. No, you, you can't unless you're like best friends. Oh, okay. I remember the GameCube one, my buddy, I used to pick on him. I would go to his town and steal the fruit that I didn't have and I'd hack down all his trees. And <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was one thing. That's why I never let my town open to the to the general public. Yeah. Because you'd go in and the next thing you know, you have no trees and no fruit. Yeah. Now I gotta ask you guys: Do I get a cut of this bet money? Like anything? Throw me a bone, uh, a couple you bucks. You bet hamburgers and some random stuff. Oh, okay. 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 You bites if you want. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, quickly, I have a question about your Star Wars collection. Sure. Um, the 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 rare Kenner toys with the dual lightsabers or the dual telescopic lightsabers. Yeah. Do you have any of them? I do not. No. No. Uh, the Kenner stuff. I have a lot of the boxes from the vehicles still, my original stuff, but my original Kenner stuff is from when I was a kid, right? So all the packages are long gone. The, most of the lightsabers are long gone. And for the Star Wars stuff in particular, from you know when my mom bought that stuff for me, it's dear to my heart, so I don't replace anything. So that stuff will remain how it is. Other stuff, like I collect a lot of Robotech stuff. Like you said, with your crash test dummies, I, I'm working on a Veritech plane and so i'm trying to build that piece by piece i'll do that but the kenner star wars stays as as it is well that's uh that's not a, a bad way to kind of go about your collection though right like you have your memories and yeah. if, you, if you fix it you're kind of taking that memory you know away from yourself right yeah, yeah, and that stuff's so personal, and I'm sure that's the reason why I love Star Wars so much is because my mom. So, yeah, that stuff I just kind of leave how it is. Yeah, like I have a, a there's a special place in my heart for uh, the Phantom Menace, and, and I yeah. know you mentioned before, and it's it's no secret that people think that it's it's one of the worst Star Wars movies. But I remember going to see that in theaters yep. with my mom at uh, the now no longer there Cineplex Odeon and. Westmount Mall, I guess before it was uh, demolished or re rebuilt to the big one, but 
Yeah. I remember going there with my mom, and uh, if, if you could have measured the length of my smile, I don't think there was enough space on my face to, to hold the whole thing. So, um, But with that being said, you know, that's, I think that's a lot of the, the questions that we've, we've had for you. Um, we want to thank you for being on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure talking with you um, and kind of getting a little bit of an insight onto um, how you feel about the video game market and the retro games and your game collection and what makes what makes it tick. Um, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not really, like, I, I wish we could just keep talking because uh, this has been very eye-opening for sure. Oh, uh, thanks, but man. we'll have to definitely have you on the show again in the future because um, uh, definitely for Star Wars stuff because it, it's, it's hard to talk to Sean sometimes about Star Wars stuff because uh, he's he's just started getting his girlfriend into watching the the, the whole saga. <laughs> so oh, yeah. She finished the first trilogy. Give her a break. Yeah, so um, I, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, it was a pleasure to have you here. And as always, for all of our listeners out there, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. And until next time, keep it saucy. Keep it retro, keep it collecting. I don't know what we're saying this time, but we'll see you guys later.